Hello and welcome to Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Holly, the editor of Health and Wellbeing, and each episode, you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by some of the magazine team to pick out the things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen too. And if you'd like to record your very own Walk to Wellbeing, you can even download the question pack from healthwellbeing.com. We would love to hear it. Right now though, for our next episode, we're about to join the ever-inspiring Deborah James, aka Bowel Babe. Author, newspaper columnist, podcast presenter and Instagrammer as she steps out of her front door in southwest London in May 2021. It will come as no surprise to our listeners if you follow Deborah's work that she does touch upon some difficult topics, including living with cancer. So please do take care if this is an issue that affects you. Hello, I'm Deborah James. Thank you so much for joining me on today's walk. I'm just doing my regular walk today, uh, which has, I suppose, be, it's currently being led by my dog, Winston. So I have a little uh, cavapoo. So he's a King Charles Cavalier crossed with a toy poodle. He's really tiny and he is um, four and a bit years old. People still assume that he's a puppy uh, because he essentially is a really great handbag dog. And he still has not learned after four and a half years, A, how to not get excited over a walk. And secondly, how not to pull me on his lead for the entirety of the walk. Um, So right now, he is basically the one taking me for a walk. Question one, what gets you out on a walk? So invariably, um, actually my dog gets me out on a walk because he needs to be walked. Um, So me and Winston right now are out walking and I live, um, at the end of my road is a beautiful common. Um, And quite often I walk across uh, the common. Today, it has been raining, so I probably should have put my wellies on. I don't, I just have my uh, hiking trainers on. And um, it's just really nice because I live in London and the common for me makes me feel a little bit free. It makes me feel like I'm actually in the middle of the countryside, even though I'm probably two minutes away from the nearest tube. but I can quite often walk for hours across the common and it's, it's where I do my runs actually, is across the common. It's quite nice at this time of year actually, um, because everything's coming back to life again and it's really green. It has been obviously really sparse, but I love the trees. I know that sounds really weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it does sound really weird, but the trees make me really happy. 
They're just incredibly beautiful and each part of the common has these little random pockets where you feel like um, you're, you discover little dens or you discover new little tree growth growing. I'm more of a morning walking person actually. I find that whether it's a walk or a run, it's that morning, um, it gets me up. I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not a six o'clock in the morning kind of person, um, but I certainly prefer to start my day with some form of exercise, whatever that looks like. If the weather's really hideous, then quite often I might stay on the Peloton bike, but, um, and he gets a quick walk a couple of times around the block or something. Um, but today, essentially, the air is, I've got that like after rain smell at the moment across the common. Winnie. Oh, Winston, seriously. Having a dog is hilarious because my dog seems to be incredibly sociable. He says hi to everybody. I think he just wants to kiss everybody. He's the only one who hasn't missed people in lockdown because uh, it's amazing how many times the dog got taken for walks by different members of our family on their, on their hour exercise or whatever it is. For me, there's very, very much something about nature. Um, I find it hard running or walking along um, main roads I think any, anyone does um, feel really lucky just to be able to be amongst greenery. Some of, the, some of my favourite walks um, are always feeling like you're lost in the middle of nowhere, even though you know that you're not. Um, but I live in London now. I grew up just outside of London in Surrey. And I spent four years at university a long time ago uh, down in the West Country. And what I used to love about that is going out onto Dartmoor, going onto Exmoor, going for massive long walks um, along the coastal pathways um, and hiking across them. And for me, that's some of my most brilliant memories is, is hiking in um, those beautiful areas. Um, Invariably to a pub, actually, I have to be honest with you. But it used to make me feel awake and alive, and it still does now. Where's my dream walk? Oh, this is a hard one, actually. I now have images of all the wonderful places that I've been running or walking in. And I'm trying to pick one of my favorites. So I have probably two of my favorite walks. Um, and actually the most obvious one, which lots of people do, and I will either run or walk it, is just the, the, the river path. So it's the, it's the river, I call it the river run, and it's essentially, I live down in southwest London and I essentially run along 
uh, the river, along the River Thames. And um, depending on how far I want to walk or run, I'll cross at either um, a particular bridge, whether that's Putney, um, Battersea, whatever bridge it might be. And then run back and one of the best feelings um, is just kind of walking along or running along with that sun in your face and especially on the weekend um, and a kind of a hot spring or summer's day and and I love that feeling actually just about to cross across the road I've just walked across one common I'm just really quickly crossing the main road to get across the other common so that that's my kind of dream location right on my doorstep and it's probably my, my most common walk that I do so it's just along the River Thames but abroad I have a favourite place in the whole world and it's a little island off of the south of France and it's called Porquerel. And it doesn't have that many people that live on it, but we go most years before COVID. And we went there for our honeymoon and we've taken our kids there. It's me and my husband. And the thing that's so beautiful about the island is that it's a natural, um, it's a protected island and there are no cars allowed on it. Uh, well, the only motor vehicles are for um, maintenance, but in terms of general public, um, there's nothing. And it means that you can walk around the entire island or run or cycle and on it there's 12 different beaches and coves and you can walk to all of them and you can go for, you can literally walk the island from sunrise to sunset and for me it always has been and always will be my dream place to go walking So what does switching off look like to you? I am awful at switching off. By my own omission, even on this walk, in my head, I am conjuring up a mental to-do list of everything I need to go and achieve this afternoon. I I feel like I never have nothing going on in my brain. I, I, I really wish I could get to that point sometimes. I, I run at 100 miles an hour and I, I don't know what spurs that. I don't know whether that's because I live with cancer and I know that I live on a very fine tightrope. Um, walking along today, I have been waiting for a phone call um, and that phone call then determines my next steps. It determines whether I'm having treatment tomorrow and 
I appreciate we've all had a little taster of things like that because of COVID, but it's really hard to feel uh, grounded because everything can be changed or the rug can literally be whipped from beneath your feet at, you know, at the drop of a phone call or a, or a television announcement as it has been for all of us in COVID. So I suppose in my life I have to find strategies to at least encourage me to switch off because quite frankly I think we can all recognise that it's absolutely knackering if you're just running 100 miles an hour all the time. So I suppose the question is what's in my toolbox and the question to you would be what's in your toolbox in terms of strategies to switch off. For me, walking and running are probably my two main strategies. Minus when a dog comes and tries to attack another dog. That's not very good. One of the hardest challenges with getting yourself up and out for that walk is putting your trainers on. So people always say to me, how do you do it? And actually, the hardest thing is making that decision to get up, to get dressed and put your trainers on. It's, it's in itself, once you've done that, I find that then that leads you out the door. I find having a dog helps, <laughs> having children helps. But having, a, for me, I have to have a bit of a timetable, a bit of a structure in my day. Um, and I find that that in itself helps me function. So if I'm not having a good day or I'm feeling like the world is a little bit heavy or I'm nervously waiting, like today, for a phone call to determine, you know, am I recovering from an operation? Do I need to have emergency scans? What's going on? Actually, sometimes people say, how do you get through that 48 hour period? And I say, well, actually, break it down, break it down hour by hour, step by step. And before you know it, you've got through the hour because you've got your trainers on and you've gone for a walk. You've got through the next hour because you've done your emails or you've cooked dinner or whatever it might be. And having that very rigid timetable allows me to get through some of the most challenging moments in my life. In a weird way, it does allow me to switch off because actually it allows my mind not to escalate down a rabbit hole of worry. Um, I would love to be able to sit in a bath. I mean, I do. But when I sit in a bath, I quite often <laughs> am totally incapable of thinking about nothing. So I find that actually having a podcast to listen to, um, something to read, that allows my mind to keep busy enough not to wander and relaxed enough to give me a moment of time out. You always have to remember though to fill up your cup first before you serve others. And it might seem selfish, but it's far from selfish. And I think we're all guilty of 
doing everything for everyone else. Um, but the reality is that we can give so much more if we look after ourselves first and foremost and overflow the energy that we have. Just out walking, coming down into my local pond and well, I'm passing the brook at the moment and it's beginning to rain again and you can hear the birds out. My dog is pulling at me because he wants to go and wee in a tree. And he's actually, no, he's now weighing in a bunch of stinging nettles, which he doesn't get is going to hurt him. Really? Come on, Winnie. Nope, nope, nope. We've just, I swear, he's just stung his willy or something. Winston! Oh no, Winston! Seriously, boy, oi! Hey! Why did you do that? No, 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 no. You don't slip your collar like that. Mm. Yeah, you don't do that, mister. The one thing about walking here is, um, so, in the middle of the common, he's fine to go off the lead. But when we come into the village and the pond nearby, which is where I'm about to take him to, he's, he's not well trained off the lead, despite his uh, four and a half years of age, to um, not run into the road. And he has just um, slipped his collar in a tussle with me because he didn't want to go back on the lead. So cheeky. And he's, he's now got his tail between his legs because he knows he's in trouble with me. I love the birds. I'm hoping you can hear them. I actually have an app which um, allows me... <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not like a total... Uh, bird watcher but there's a really cool app that you can get I need to look up what the name of it is where you can hold up the sounds of different birds and then it tells you so it will say oh that's a woodpecker um, or whatever it might be in that tree it's really cool if you like birds which I do Who is really nailing their well-being in your life? Oh, great question. Um, if I'm allowed to swear on the podcast, um, I use a phrase called wanky wellness, um, which I am not a fan of, which is the polar opposite to this question. Now... I can think of loads of people who sometimes some of the advice really grates on me for whatever reason. And I think it's because we have to remember that we're not, we are all human and we can't be these perfect robots who, you know, 
perfects every aspect of their life. So it gets this perfect diet and perfect exercise regime and perfect body, however we want to define that. And I think sometimes we can feel quite rubbish about ourselves when we uh, look at Instagram accounts of people that you think have got it nailed and you realise, especially with someone like me, that it's all about balance. I'm, I'm a kind of do the 5k run and drink the wine kind of girl. I'm kind of like make informed choices and it's about what you can add to your life sometimes rather than taking away or what switches, you know, what switches can you do rather than kind of punish yourself. And so I think it is, it has to be about balance uh, because I think our mental well-being shines through um, into our physical so much um, that we can't assume that one exists without the other. In terms of people that inspire me, um, I'm going to talk about my daughter here, actually. She inspires me on so many different levels. Um, but maybe people listening to this might, might relate. I have, I have a, a beautiful 11-year-old, uh, very independent, a little bit feisty, feisty uh, daughter, who is definitely, definitely becoming a kind of stroppy teenager, who I love. Uh, but all my own teenage sins are about to come and revisit me, I swear. Um, the thing that I find a massive challenge, um, I, I'm, I was always really sporty. I used to be a, a national gymnast growing up. And I mean, now I, I'm not, um, you know, nailing it, but exercise and fitness is very much part of my daily life. Um, it doesn't mean I'm kind of winning anything, but I'm winning the, my own race just by getting up and joining in. The thing that I find really challenging is that my daughter, she doesn't like sport in the same way that I liked it. So, and I think A, as a parent, um, having the comparatives in your head is really bad. So I always compare, I always kind of will say things like, Eloise, at your age, I was training 40, 24 hours a week in the gym and, and you don't understand, it's not hard to do an hour of exercise. And I appreciate that's not um, great, sitting in her uh, shoes. I also fail to recognise that actually quite simply she doesn't like the same sports as me she doesn't like certain things she 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 actually she loves cricket and she loves um she wants to play lacrosse or rugby and I I have failed to I suppose support her in that I've, I've started to very much so but I think I tried to make her do the things that I like such as netball or whatever it was and um, over lockdown, I found it really challenging in terms of how do you teach your teenage daughter about the importance of eating healthily without wanting them to feel fat or like um, that, that eating a bar of chocolate is a negative thing. And it's such a fine line because actually... There's half of me that says, well, let them eat what they want. 
And then there's another part of me that says, no, actually, from a purely health perspective, ignore what she looks like. From a health perspective, she needs to make informed decisions. But it's a real battle because ultimately, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you not offend your 11-year-old daughter when you're saying to her, sweetheart, can you please not eat three chocolate butter, uh, ch- uh, chocolate biscuits? And she's like, what, are you calling me fat? And I'm sure other parents will have that continuous cycle of saying, well, no, no, it's nothing to do with, with what you look like. And so I think that is, a, that is a big challenge. But the reason that she inspires me is because um, she decided herself to start running and I recognised that actually um, it's all good and well me saying right you need to do exercise but I also realised that actually I just need to take her with me sometimes Um, but she has to want to do it Uh, because I can't kind of say right go and play this if I'm then standing on the sideline so um she kind of said, oh, I'm a bit interested in running and um, started kind of attempting to run with me, but then couldn't quite keep up. And we ended up basically having full blown, I hate you, mummy. You're the world's worst mummy. I hate you. Um, and that ended as a bit of a disaster. And then she... Um, she realised through her cousin that she wasn't actually that bad at it. And uh, so my sister and I and our two children, not between us, our our daughters, we've started uh, running together. They're both kind of 11 and me and my sister run. And my daughter has, um, the driver for it has been her and purely her, but it's because she has felt good about herself because for once she felt, feels like she can, she can do it. And not only can she do it, when she then went back into school, having been last in cross country, her teacher suddenly went, oh, Eloise, oh my word, you can go into the cross country team. And she suddenly went from being the worst cross country to being the best at cross country and that was not because of me it was driven from her deciding that she just wanted to try to beat her cousin realize that she she wasn't feeling at something I wasn't forcing her to do it and I think she suddenly got a real sense of pride in achieving it and the thing that I found amazing is Recently, I had an operation and I wasn't able to go out running. So she called my sister and arranged to uh, go running with her and uh, my cousin and her cousin behind my back. <laughs> um, she she called them and said, "Well, mummy can't run, uh, so so you're just going to have to take me." And I just thought that's amazing, and I'm really inspired by her because um, she's probably had years of feeling like she wasn't good at sport and she didn't like sport and her mum me was always saying oh you're not like me and you're not as sporty as me and I was just being a hideous mother and then criticizing her for not eating healthily enough 
and you know I, I don't think we ever feel like we're winning with that um, but she has totally inspired me recently and I just I just think actually uh, she's wonderful and I've always thought she's wonderful but um, I think I want to be more like her <laughs> Five, when you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Oh, this is a good one. So I think a small amount of stress is not a bad thing. Um, I think I've, I actually recognise that I, I need a little bit of uh, positive stress in terms of energy, enthusiasm, a bit of fire up my own bum <laughs> to uh, make me thrive. And actually it's recognising that some people work best in that situation, not all of us. Um, but don't think all stress is, is negative. Um, for me, um, stress becomes negative when I feel overwhelmed. Um, and it's normally when I have said yes to everything. I'm a bit of a yes person in that um, I am learning to say no more. Um, for you, you have to ask yourself, do you say no um, enough to protect your own stress levels? And then the second thing is realising that you don't have to do everything yourself. Um, my triggers are very much um, led by my own insecurities. Um, I know, for example, I'm always late because I always believe that you can fit three meetings into a space where you could probably do one. I'm always the person who is rubbish at the logistics. I'm great at ideas, but I'm kind of, right, now we just have to do the nitty gritty. And over the years, I suppose, the older you get, the more you recognise those uh, failings. And it doesn't mean you can't work on them. But what I do know is I work best when I don't try to solve all those problems myself. And when I actually can kind of say, actually, in the grand scheme of things, I do need help. Uh, with this and um, and it's not about outsourcing but it's about getting support around you although sometimes I appreciate it, especially in the last year it's been really hard to reach out and to kind of practically get that help um, but for me especially with my kids um, actually just being able to sit back and say thank you to the people who have offered lift, lifts to my kids who have brought them home from school who have arranged for them to come back um, in a particular way. Rather than me thinking that I need to control all that, I'm just so grateful for those people for just doing it and helping me because ultimately it then allows me to, in my situation, focus on treatment that day, for example. <laughs> when I'm really stressed, um, I, I often talk to my husband about it and he's like, he says that I get stressed about the tiny minutiae detail sometimes in things and it's stuff that actually if I sit down and work through it logically, I can do it. But sometimes it takes another person to do it with me. So um, the way I, I suppose disband my stress is by breaking it down, but with another person. Uh, and if you can't do it with another person, 
then I am all about the lists. <laughs> I, I, I have lists for everything. I have, because for me, it's a strategy that really helps me. I have a list and I put things, uh, I put things on my list every single day that I know I can achieve because that de-stresses me. So for example, I put things like take a walk, take the dog for a walk, buy food for dinner, cook dinner, get dressed, have a shower. Now I know that for a lot of people, for all of us in fact, <laughs> these are very, very standard things. However, sometimes that is all you can achieve and that is way more than you ever thought possible in a day. For me, writing things on your list that you've already achieved and you've already done gives you that sense of actually not feeling as stressed. It gives you that sense of saying, actually, no, I have achieved things, even such as having a bath, uh, which are really important, such as going for a walk, which is really important. And that in itself helps me calm and clear my mind. And then I break down my actual things by a kind of order of priority. Number six, when was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different? I'm just standing uh, looking at the pond and there's been a, we have a family of um, swans that have lived on the pond for years and um, they've just had some cygnets and it's really funny because each day the cygnets kind of do something weird or as a family they all go off and do something strange. The other day uh, they were all heading into the estate agent opposite, obviously they wanted a new home and they literally brought the entire road to a standstill. Oh, I hate it when people come through in their motorbikes really loudly because all the birds are just going crazy. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's so beautiful. They've basically all just gone round. So one of my biggest new challenges has been learning how to cook and it was, it was lockdown that forced me to do that. So I'm somebody who 
oh, just obviously like a good restaurant. Love, I love my food. I'm vegetarian. Well, main, I've been vegetarian for 30 years and now I'm largely vegan, although people use the word plant-based. Although I do find it quite, quite common comedy because 30 years ago, I used to be the awkward person who was vegetarian and now it's all really fashionable. So I do think it's quite comedy value, but in terms of options and array of food, I genuinely used to have a Marmite and cheese sandwich 30 years ago. And now it's just phenomenal, the options and choices, and it's incredible. Um, but in terms of challenging myself, um, I've had to challenge myself to learn how to cook. And I know that sounds quite strange. I do have a couple of kids, but I've always been the lazy cook or my kids have always been at school eating or me and my husband have eaten out or ordered food or whatever it is. And we've always taken an active interest in food, but I've been really lazy. And if truth be told, I honestly never inherited my mum's skills in terms of cooking. She's a great baker. My dad is a, is a good chef, but my mum is a brilliant baker. And I just, you know what? I just never took the time to learn. And over lockdown, I have basically done what I probably should have done at the age of 12. And I've been doing it with my daughter. And I've kind of just gone back to cookery school and I've been teaching myself how to cook all the basics. Um, so all the classic things um, and I will cook meat and fish but I just don't eat it but I'll then cook um, vegan alternatives or I'll, I'll try sometimes to uh, I'm convincing the rest of my family so it's been a bit of a challenge actually to um, get my family eating less red meat and more uh, plant-based foods and I married a French man so uh, who loves his meat and his fish and my children have have that that kind of Mediterranean blood running through them and I think you know the idea of not eating meat is just not an option and it's been a real challenge as a family for them to try and realize that food can be really good without meat at the core um, and I've really enjoyed that challenge. Um, I would say there's been a lot of things that have ended up in the bin, very sadly. Um, but what I've realised is how much money I have saved um, through actually cooking at home rather than just getting takeouts or eating out. Um, and it's made me really interested in finding out a lot more about like cutting through the crap if you want to say that and understanding a lot more about nutrition and the benefits of gut health and um, I suppose I'm just learning about it and it's really challenging me because I've realised there's a lot of information out there and it's how does the average person know but I've really enjoyed it. Um, so that's definitely been a challenge. What about you? What challenges have you come up against?
They don't have to be. Sometimes people think of challenges as, right, I've got to go and run the London Marathon, um, which I am going to do. But for me, actually, sometimes it's a bigger challenge to look at the way that you live your life every single day or um, the, the words that you say to people around you or the, the way that you show your love to somebody. Actually, sometimes that can be a bigger challenge than saying to yourself, no, this is my goal and that's what I'm going to achieve. I'm not for a second saying that running the London Marathon is going to be easy, but actually it's more challenging changing a mindset around the food that we eat daily. What is it for you? When was the last time you cried? I've had quite an emotional couple of weeks, actually. Um, I underwent a highly technical procedure for an inoperable tumour in the hope that it will die. And um, I think coming around from that operation, it was a... I actually don't have any scars to show for it. It was a minimally invasive operation. And I, I got very emotionally scared going into it because whilst I, wasn't going, I knew I wasn't going to come out with lots of big scars over me, I knew that um, technically it's probably one of the most riskiest operations that I've had in that if everything went according to plan, it would be fine. And that is, oh, I've just seen a beautiful robin. Oh, hello. Hey, Mr. Robin. Can you see him when? Don't bark at him. Um, but yeah, thank God everything did go according to plan, but I. We don't know whether it's worked on the actual tumour, but going into the operation, I um, it uses lots of electrical currents and there's loads of different kind of highly technical medical things that people have trained a very, very long time to do. And I was also one of the trial cases to have this, but um, going under in the general anaesthetic, I had a brilliant anaesthetist, but I cried on her and I held her hand as I was put to sleep because whilst I knew all the risks that I was taking and I know that I want to take those risks to try to save my life I also knew that in the room they had um, lots of people on standby just in case things didn't quite go according to plan so obviously when you use things like electrical currents you have to be ready to make sure the heart's working again if things don't go quite according to plan I almost don't even want to overthink it because our minds can go into a very dark place and I have to weigh up all these risks in terms of what that might mean and and you always you always go into these things knowing that you trust the team around you but you always have the what if it's the what if scenario 
And I, for some reason in this operation, knew that some of the what-ifs were very unknown and very scary as well. So I really cried going under, actually. Um, and then funny enough, like 24 hours later, because in at least the operation it had gone, there was no acute emergencies. I, it meant that I had bounced back. I had no scars. I had no drains. And 24 hours later, I was so, I genuinely was so happy to be alive. I cannot describe that feeling. It was the feeling of, I didn't die on the operating theatre and I apologise for sounding so morbid. Um, but I genuinely, I genuinely felt so happy because whether it worked or not, I knew that I got through it. And I was in my hospital uh, bed and I stood up and I just, I think I still had quite a lot of drugs in my system from the, um, from the general anaesthetic. And I was dancing and I've never, ever had that feeling. But I just was so, so happy to be alive and I was crying. But I was crying tears of joy. I mean, I was literally over the moon. Um, so <laughs> it's amazing how you can have that both, uh, those both polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of emotion, both within the same 24 hours. What's one recent little win that you're happy with? Now I'm just walking down into the other end of my village now. So I've kind of, the sounds probably change when I, I I'm hoping you can hear the sounds change very much when I'm back in the bustle of it. And I've got the road, it's not a big main road, but it's a busier road along my side now. And um, you hear the birds um, kind of at the ponds, but in a distance now, and I'm walking. In a moment, I'm going to be walking past some of my local shops and where I get my uh, fruit and veg from and all my other things. But we're coming up to the road that I'm about to cross, so it's going to be a little bit noisy now. So right now I'm literally walking in the middle of my village. I'm walking past my hairdressers. Got my local pharmacy on the corner, cafe. They serve really nice um, sandwiches in there. Got a local nail salon. got a couple of really lovely independent shops actually coming up which um funny enough they they all actually opened during covid but they sell just like some really interesting clothes the danger though is every time i now go into the village to get some bread i want to buy a dress it's really bad it's kind of like i have to i have to now walk past the window like 
like looking away because they just have such good products in there that I'm too scared to go in because I know I'm going to come out with something. Oh, the bakery. The bakery's really good. The problem is I walk past the window. I'm now stopping at the bakery because you walk past and you smell it. Oh, I might have to go and get an egg roll. Hang on. Have you got any round egg mayo rolls left? Can you make me one with salad? Yes, just an egg salad. Yeah. Egg salad, yeah, thanks. Have you got any onion? Yeah? Tomato, cucumber, yeah, whatever's open really, like salad-wise. Cheers, thanks, have a good day, bye. Sorry, I just had to go and get my lunch from the bakery. They just do really good rolls in there and um, my weakness is their egg mayo sandwiches. Well, no, egg mayo crusty rolls. You know, sometimes when you just want like, oh, bit of a good crusty roll for lunch. And they're only like a couple of quid. They're really nice. Yeah, so eggs are my, uh, being vegetarian, eggs are my, eggs are my one, eggs and cheese are my one problem in terms of the veganism thing. Um, and I, I mainly try more to cut down on them. And I do have, I, do, I, did, I did January where I was totally plant-based. And then interestingly enough, I, I found some really good alternatives like the vegan mayo. I found certain like butters and things like that. And I don't drink, um, I now just drink oat milk. So I, I found like some really good switches. Um, I'm yet to find a good substitute for eggs and cheese oh my word so now i i basically cut back on my cheese but i have it when i have it i have it like good proper brilliant british and french cheese board like i love a good like cheese off um but like it's almost like i do that as a special treat rather than like continuously so i think I think that's cool. But the egg mayo sandwiches are really good. I'm sorry that I had to stop and do that in the middle of our walk. But I'm just taking you on my average daily walk, which is essentially, I like going into my village. So I go across the common and then come round into my village. And the reason I just really like it is because I can see life. And uh, it is lunchtime. If it was lunchtime on a weekend, on a Saturday, I might... Um, I would take you into my regular, my local pub. Uh, everybody's actually out. It's kind of, it's stopped raining and there's a few people who are along the riverfront right now having a very cheeky lunchtime, uh, lunchtime little drink. And we've actually now walked all the way through the village and I'm actually now walking, um, just about to cross over the road. And I'm gonna be taking you down for the rest of my walk along the River Thames and I can then kind of do a back leap uh, back to my back to my house and uh, 
again, this is probably the start of one of my favourite loops that I talked about uh, earlier, which is right down on the river. And actually, when I cross over, I want to tell you if the tide is out, because it's really interesting, the difference on the River Thames, if the tide's out or not. And uh, just crossing really quickly. So, oh yeah, so the, it's really cool. So the tide is uh, out today and I call it my beach. And it's not a beach at all. I mean, it's, it's the banks of the River Thames. Uh, and sometimes the river is, well, it meets me where I'm walking. And right now it's out and people are actually down below me walking along the pebbles. Me and my kids um, and my husband in lockdown, something that I think was amazing is that we got into, into some really long walks and um, actually we were walking like half marathon the other day for fun. I mean, it was fun, it was brilliant fun. And the kids did it and we, we, uh, we just did a massive leap along the river and that's the beauty of the river. You can walk for, you know, miles and miles. And then we went up through Richmond Park and it was so beautiful, that loop. And you sometimes forget if you're just walking and you do the occasional stop for a bit of food. You forget how far you've actually gone and it's really good for you. It's amazing. So right now, walking uh, about to walk under one of the bridges and the rowers are back on the river and it was horrible not seeing the rowers out on the river and uh, I'm about to do a course actually I haven't been able to do it because of Covid um, but I'm about to try and take like a learn to row course because I live on the river I see all these rowers my husband used to row my son's into rowing well, I don't have a clue about it, but I'd like to learn. So that's a new challenge for me. I'm probably going to be rubbish, but I kind of think, well, may as well take the six-week course, give it a go, and then uh, decide if I am actually rubbish or not. So right now I'm actually walking under a bridge. And they're actually doing some reconstruction here where they're about to build a Thames pathway so you can continuously walk without kind of going under these weird walkway things. Um, be great though, can't wait. Where do you guys like to walk? I can hear, can hear the rowers out on the river, you can hear the uh, instructors. I love it. It reminds me of being, sometimes when the sun's out, walking along the river reminds me of being like by the ocean or on holiday. And so when I used to live in the West Country, I then, well, after the West Country, I went into teaching and I, um, I did a couple of years down, um, down in Dorset, um, teaching along the coasts and, um, mainly because my family's from there and I, uh, I uh, used to live in a seaside town and every morning before school um, used to just get up and run along the beach and uh, 
it's, it's just this amazing feeling about living by the water. Um, and I don't know what it is. It just makes me feel free, actually. I think the water makes me feel free. I find it, funny enough, I find, it, I find the river... My husband loves the sea and the ocean, and, and I'm less confident, maybe, because I'm not great at swimming, but I'm much less confident there, but I love the river. Like, I just, I don't know, it's, it relaxes me. It makes me feel free. Sometimes when I'm in not a good place or, I don't know, I've just had bad news and all good news, actually, it works both ways. You, um, like you put your shoes on and you just walk and I just, I just, it's that feeling of trying to get freedom or escaping whatever it is and you know you can't but the process of walking um, and especially for me by that, by the river, it just helps me feel free and it's a great feeling actually. Helps me, gives me time to think. What's one recent little win you're happy with? Uh, this is, why am I finding this question so hard? I think I'm trying to work out what are the things I'm happy with? <laughs> Honestly, like, I just got a phone call to say that my liver function was slightly improving. That is a good win for me. Like, that sounds very basic, but it is. It's an incredible win for me. It's just, um, I think that's, that, sadly, that kind of stuff takes up quite a lot of my thinking at the moment. And actually, I am monitored really carefully to see how well my body is improving. And yeah, I know, I know actually that that phone call to say it's okay to have treatment on a couple of days later, that my liver function has actually improved, is it's, it's a positive phone call. Because I know that when they're worried about things, I get taken straight in. So it's actually, uh, <laughs> it's a good win for me. <laughs> um, but on a more practical level that's not cancer focused because sometimes my mind can be so filled with cancer oh that looks like a new shop flower power flower fashion vintage oh that looks nice oh. God, I'm so easily distracted by things um On a more practical level, I would say a little win is that I managed to get a reservation outside under a heater for me and six friends in a restaurant tonight. And uh, quite excited by that, actually, to be honest. Um, and that's because in the area that I live in, Everybody seems way more organised than me. And so they got their reservations in ages ago. So, um, 
I'm quite excited that I got a reservation. I think I've got cancellation actually, to be honest. And because my liver function's improved, I can probably have a glass of wine for like the first time in weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, I didn't even ask that question because they'll probably say no, but I know that my levels are now back. I haven't been able to uh, drink wine or anything for a while, obviously. And uh, I could probably have a small glass tonight. Woohoo! Maybe I'll have some champagne in fact. I'll just have one and then hope that my oncologist doesn't listen to this. But yeah, that's a small win actually. I've had to massively reduce my, like I've had to massively think about things like that because I suppose I never really did before and I've had to make a real conscious effort and I think I never really thought about things like my alcohol intake because I just didn't really need to and I've I found that I, I don't like missing out so what I've ended up doing actually um, and I I got really upset about it because I don't know why I think you just get upset when you feel like well I can't be normal um, so I've ended up I ended up um, like at first I thought oh okay I'm just not going to you know I'm just gonna have to not drink anything and all these kind of things and then now I've kind of done loads of I've found loads of really I love like non-alcoholic alternatives, um, which are really good. So I actually find like the non-alcoholic beers are really good and they're low calorie as well. So you're not just drinking loads of sugar or anything. Um, and they're really tasty. So you kind of feel like you're having a beer, um, it, you know, especially if the sun's out, but you're not having any of the alcohol. So, and obviously, you know, with my liver, I have to look after it. So I'm finding that and I found some like non-alcoholic gins, which I thought, I, I was really sceptical at first and I thought, nope, what's the point? <laughs> There's no point. <laughs> I'm always that person that's like, no point. Like, I don't want to do that. And then I, um, I, tried, I tried some and realised that they weren't bad. <laughs> and realised that actually they were quite nice. So... Um, now in an evening if it's like at the weekend or on a Thursday or something then obviously recently I've just been having a non-alcoholic gin and tonic and a non-alcoholic beer which is always like a really good option for people Just now walking, I've looped back off the. Um, <laughs> just walking down an alley at the moment. I have just walked, um, fought off of the river, and I'm walking now down an alleyway. <laughs> Hence why you can hear everything. Hello! I'm just walking through a tunnel now. So. Where I live, we have all these like back alleyways. Hello. Hello. Um, that run alongside all the train, uh, the railway line. And uh, so I fought off the river and I'm now just walking 
through those tunnels and down the, the back alleyways. What is one of the biggest life lessons that you've learned in the last year? Okay, so <laughs> I have learned and that I have FOMO. <laughs> this, is, this is the, um, I appreciate this is a very strange thing to know or to learn. So um, I run at 100 miles an hour. I, I never seemed, this is pre-COVID, I never seemed happy with just being at home on my own or understanding that sometimes I need to take time out to um, calm down, to sleep, um, to let my body rest and recover. And I always feel like I have to push and push and push and push and push. And I never understood what drove it. And some of it was, or is still, that fear of, um, you know, life is short. And I think that's a positive thing because that's what gets me up every day. But I've also realised that I just, I, I, I always wanted to be at every single party. And with COVID, there wasn't any parties. There wasn't anything to miss out on. Everybody was in the same position. And I realised everything I need, not everything I need. I mean, you know, I love my friends and I, love, I missed my family massively. But I've realised for the first time ever that I was also happy at home. Um, and it's nothing to do with my kids or anything like that just in terms of actually being at home and being comfortable slowing down um and I don't think I will you know I think I, I don't think it's going to change me dramatically I, I think I'm always going to be somebody that will want to get up get walking get going for the day but I think knowing that it's okay to to take time out it's okay to work uh, for me to be able to work from home it's okay uh, to spend an afternoon at home and actually I want to and I want to cook at home not all the time but I want to it's okay I enjoy it I've realized you know I can I take I can find pleasure in that um, and yeah I've realized that actually um, the thing is, it's not a new realisation for me. I think cancer made me do it. Like, I realised just how important my, my family is to me, my kids and my husband and my parents, my brother and my sister. Um, and, and then obviously my health. Um, you realise when you don't have your health, you know, money can't... Like, it sounds really weird, but, you know, you can't... You can try everything, but ultimately there may not be something that might save me. And I think looking after your health is something that I just want to make sure. I, I'm not saying I could have changed my cancer, but I think if, if I knew that, if I had the choice, I would definitely try everything I could to reduce my risk of, of things like this. And... I think it's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? Being healthy 
So uh, complete the following sentences. Being healthy is feeling strong and alive with a big smile on my face. For me, feeling healthy is just this. It's a feeling of glowing. Um, and it, it's really hard to describe what feeling alive is like, unless you know what it's like to potentially have it whipped from beneath your feet. And it's the polar opposite. It's the polar opposite to staring death in the face and feeling so grateful that you are in fact alive. I'm most me when, oh, there's lots of most me's. <laughs> so when I'm probably sitting with my friends and my family around a table, ideally outside when the sun is setting with amazing food around us, just chatting about ridiculous stuff in life. Um, and then I'm most me when I have my, um, <laughs> when I have my leggings on actually, to be honest with you, probably what I'm wearing right now. I uh, have one of my millions of pairs of leggings on. Uh, whatever jumper has come out of my cupboard, either my wellies, my hiking boots, my snow boots, or whatever boots I can go and walk through the mud in with my dog, who is currently looking incredibly muddy. Um, and I can walk or run for hours with a feeling of freedom. The best thing about my walk today has been that I have I think I've walked for quite a long time and thank you if you're still with me. And um, I found some of the um, topics really in interesting and challenging and um, I've had to think about them. So I hope that some of the questions that I've talked about as I've shared my answers, I hope that you have thought about your own responses to each of the questions. So I'm now back at home. I'm going to take uh, Winnie's lead off. He's probably going to... Actually, I'm going to have to... Oh, my word. You look like a mess, sweetheart. He looks like a very happy mess. And I don't know where my keys are. <laughs> this is so funny. No, 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 no. Please do not run on the sofa. Oh, you're gonna have to go straight in the bath. You are so muddy. Oh my word, why does anybody have dogs? Why? I'm joking, you are beautiful, sweetheart, but seriously, are you actually kidding me? Oh, how cheeky was little Winston on that walk? It sounded like he wanted his time to shine on this podcast. I'm also glad that I'm not the only one that stops mid-walk to appreciate the arrival of a robin. 
but I'm so keen to dig into Deborah's answers with Rachel and Daniela from the Health and Wellbeing team. But before we get to that, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor, Skechers. Walk to Wellbeing is proudly sponsored by Skechers. Put a spring in your step with Skechers' range of comfort-boosting shoes featuring the very latest walking technology. The new lightweight, high-flex ArchFit range is designed to take great care of your feet, wherever your walk to wellbeing may take you. Over 20 years of data was used to create the amazing ArchFit cushioning insole, which is removable too, and provides complete foot and arch support for all day comfort. Shop the ranges online at sketchers.co.uk. That's S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S.co.uk where you'll find thousands of shoes, boots and trainers to bring you and your family style and support with every step. Daniela, welcome back. And Rachel, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. How are you both? Really well, thanks, Holly. It's great to be here with you guys. Great. Thanks, Holly. Lovely to join you. Wasn't Deborah's interview amazing? I really resonated with the point she made about the hardest act was just getting going and popping your trainers on and having a timetable helps and I that's what I kind of resonated with myself I have every Wednesday in my diary I know that I'm scheduled to go to yoga in the mornings and Outside of Wednesdays, I don't actually feel motivated to go at all. Um, But I know that on Wednesday mornings, I'm committed. But I was wondering when I was listening, if there's a balance between scheduling too much of your life and then having something that gets you going. What do you think, Rachel? Definitely. It's such a simple concept to just put on your shoes, isn't it? But I completely agree with her there. I... Sometimes even just find whether it's yoga, which I absolutely love, going for a walk, which I also love. Sometimes it's just, you know, you're going to feel great afterwards. It's that initial act of putting on your shoes, putting on your leggings, getting your yoga mat unrolled. But once you do it, you know that you feel great. Yeah, so true. Um, And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe we're just worried that it takes up too much time. Yeah, I think getting up straight away and putting on your active wear is the best thing you can do if you're if you've got it in your head that you want to get a workout in today because sometimes I do it where I wake up and if I like potter around in my PJs and and then time just runs away. I think I, I and then sometimes I think, "Oh, I'm still in my pajamas. Oh, maybe I won't do it today." So just put that act of, yeah, like you say, putting on your leggings rolling out your yoga mat and just doing it is the best way. Yeah, that, that's where I also loved her idea of making a list. And it sounds quite regimented for something that should be enjoyable. <laughs> but <laughs> making a list is kind of, well, for me, it helps me carve out the time. I think that's something that Deborah was, a point she was making as well, that if you make yourself a list, okay, for this, this is my 45 minutes to do yoga, and then I'm going to make dinner, and then I'm going to do this. I don't know. For me, I feel that motivates me a bit more. I'll definitely feel like I've been more productive afterwards. It also gives me the motivation beforehand to get these things done. Absolutely. I 
love how satisfying it is to tick something off a list. My husband actually loathes a list. I don't know <laughs> about anyone else's but I would like to have them at the weekends but he actually thinks that's more stressful than not oh I already do that Holly (laughs) do you plan plan to make a plan (laughs) I plan to make plans I do (laughs) I'm not ashamed to admit it no I think we're all 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 lovers of lists and I think you've said this to me before Holly like if you if you kind of come to the end of the day at five o'clock and you feel as though you haven't had like the most productive day just write down it doesn't have to be anything big like three to maybe two or three things that you're that you've managed to take off and like Deborah said being able to being able to add some add stuff to your list that you've already done just gives you that little boost and shows that it doesn't you not every day you have to conquer the world or like overcome a huge challenge those little wins are really really important I think for Mm. for well-being it shows how much we fit in as well yeah for sure I thought it was super interesting when she thought about challenges in the sense of those small everyday parts of your life rather than just those big achievements like you said Daniela so it's not just running those marathons or you know doing something major it's actually, like Deborah said, how you show your love to someone, how you talk to people or even yourself. Um, and I think that's that's something that perhaps not everyone thinks about when you think about what challenges have you faced recently. I wouldn't necessarily think myself about those little everyday moments, like you said, Daniela. Yeah, absolutely. I loved her take on that kind of thing. And when she said about how she was going to run the London Marathon, she doesn't care, like, she doesn't care where she places. She's winning her own race. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. I think that also goes back to what she said about the well-being advice that bothers her, because we're also focused on what other people are doing sometimes and you see oh that person's just done a half marathon and that person's just climbed a mountain why you know what have I done this week or this month (laughs) but we have to think about the little wins like you said and everything that we do in our life really is a little win Um, and as long as you're finding time for yourself and you're making that balance yeah absolutely I mean filling up your cup first so you can serve other people I loved that that was a beautiful mantra. Yeah, that way you can you can give all of yourself to other people, give that time, give that effort because your batteries are fully charged and that's really important, especially with family life, busy life. You've always got to look after yourself first, which can seem a little bit selfish, but in the long term, it benefits other people and your family even more. Do you think that's perhaps why we don't put our own needs first that we perceive it to be being selfish yeah I think so I that's um why I also loved uh, Amanda's episode before when she said about retraining our brains or changing the name to self-full because we do need to be more selfish don't we if not just for ourselves but also to help other people and to give our families and loved ones the support they also need um, and when I 
heard Deborah saying about making sure you're are filling up your own cup first, I was kind of picturing a glass and thinking, well, the glass could be half full or it could be half empty. And it goes both ways in that you need to fill it up yourself to pour more in. And then sometimes you need to drink from it and you need someone else to pour into the glass as well. So it comes from so many different angles. Absolutely. It's definitely, it's definitely about balance. Yeah. I also loved what she was saying about her, her daughter. Um, I have a teenage sister and I think I could definitely resonate with that, although we're very close, but um, sometimes she has her little teenage mannerisms. And even if it's not with teenagers, with any loved ones, really, you can have this conflict where you really want to support and encourage them, but it's often misconstrued uh, where you're criticizing them. So I really loved that she was so honest about that, about her relationship with her daughter. But it was also great to hear that her daughter's found her own path because we can't force things on other people. And especially when it comes to wellness and fitness and health in general, I think you can't push things onto other people. You have to let people discover things themselves, find their own joy within that wellness journey, find what makes them happy, what motivates them. And it sounds like her daughter's found that, which is lovely. Yeah, I think that's such an important lesson, isn't it? And Deborah touched upon the notion of perfection, especially when that's applied to wellness. And even when you're eating well, exercising regularly, taking up meditation, you might still feel crappy at the end of the day, but that and that might really really rock you but that's because as Deborah says it's about finding balance and not comparing yourself to others and I think like you mentioned Rachel her her daughter's managed to carve out her own path and not just do what what Deborah might have done when she was that age yes and I think the the idea that you don't have to do everything yourself is something that I've, it's taken me a while to learn for sure. Um, being the person that says yes to a lot of things and sometimes you have to learn to say no, whether it's because you just need some quiet time or you just don't fancy it. And being able to step back and ask for help as well, which is one of the most difficult things, even if it's asking for help from someone that you love dearly, it can be really challenging, but it's so important for our well-being. Yeah, you don't have to solve everything on your own. Why do you think people find it so hard to reach out and ask for help? I don't know. Do we think of it as a sign of weakness, I think? Or maybe we think that whoever we're asking has their own things that they have to do or they have their own problems. So why do I need to bother them with my problems? Yeah, we're always. I think we're always doing that, aren't we? We're always saying, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you, but would you mind just ever so kindly or I'm really sorry to do this but could you just and I think it goes back to kind of like the the conversation that Deborah was having with her daughter you know we've spoken about this before in the mag like decoding your conversations what they actually mean like you said Rachel you've you've got their best interests at heart and it but it can sometimes be a little bit misconstrued and you know from from Deborah's point of view it really wasn't 
an aesthetic thing at all for her daughter. It was more about, you know, fueling your body correctly and, you know, not having a massive sugar crash after three chocolate bars. (laughs) (laughs) Some things we have to learn through experience, though. (laughs) Definitely. Um, We actually have a body confidence special in the June issue of Health and Wellbeing, which is on sale now. Um, And we focus on what your body has done for you today. So your body is so powerful, beautiful, and incredibly clever. It's kept you alive all day. It's, you know, taken you on your walk if you've been on one. Um, Or like Rachel and I might have done a yoga session, whatever it's taken you through today. Um, it's so much more than just what you look like. So true. And I think we really take that for granted sometimes. And having Deborah talk about living with cancer so open and honestly was such a grounding experience and really put things into perspective. I think, especially over this last year, you know, of course, it's been incredibly hard for everybody, but at the same time, staying at home, staying safe. It's not a hardship. We're, we're doing the best that we can for, for everybody. And so listening to, listening to the incredible things that she's, that her body has had to go through was really, really touching. Mm. Our bodies are quite amazing, aren't they? We just, we need to treat them properly. And like you said, Holly, it's, having the confidence to look at your body for what it is, not what you see in the mirror or not what you think your body should look like or be is really quite important. It's a difficult step to take, but our bodies do so much for us. And essentially we're nothing without our bodies, are we? So we have to look after it. We have to treat it well, whether that's through exercise, eating well, taking daily walks, all of the above. Absolutely. And when Deborah was saying that for her healthy means feeling strong and positive and with a great big smile on her face, I think that's a brilliant way to think about what wellness should mean. And I'll be thinking about ending today with a big smile on my face and feeling feeling well in that in that sense. But I also loved how she was talking about her vegetarian diet. And I know that both of you follow a vegan diet. Uh, I myself am broadly vegetarian. I do have fish occasionally, (laughs) no judgment. (laughs) But uh, we have actually got a really delicious butternut squash risotto in our June issue where we have our make it meat free. So if anyone wants to try that, pick up a copy. Um, But I can actually really relate to Deborah not wanting to give up eggs and cheese, though. I have recently been doing something called cheese cycling. And you might think that means me (laughs) eating a block of brie on a bicycle, but it's actually not that fun. (laughs) Um, It's actually um, eating it at certain times during your menstrual cycle, which means only having it in the first week. But I can tell you that my skin has looked amazing ever since. But I was wondering if there's anything you have had to adjust with your diets or if there's anything that you found really worked for you. I love that there. You're kind of, you're dipping into the 
um, non-dairy side of things, aren't you, Holly? I, I love how you you give us weekly updates as well sometimes <laughs> on on how it's going and um, being being able to being able to cram all the cheese that you want in one week sounds <laughs> yeah. sounds pretty ideal. I mean, I'm not sure that that's the healthiest way, but it's about balance, right? <laughs> I did have to chuckle when she was saying about being vegetarian and back in those days there weren't that many options on the menu I completely relate to that having been vegetarian for so long before I even went vegan and now it's a big trend where everything is plant-based and vegan Um, but my husband has this notion that if you have a craving you should just give in and it sounds like eating cheese on the first week of your menstrual cycle is sort of you know kick the habit and then you've got the rest of the month to be (laughs) dairy-free Sounds like a good way to go. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it, Rachel? Like having, I think she said that ages ago she would have had, she would have had like a Marmite and cheese sandwich. And actually, I think I'd take a Marmite and cheese sandwich. That is actually such a great combo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And when she went in to get her egg roll, I was cracking up. I thought that was brilliant that we were, I really felt like I was next to her in the sandwich bar like thinking about what I would have as well. I thought that was brilliant that she <laughs> took us with her. I loved going on Deborah's walk with her today. I think we all did, Daniela. And it was so funny to hear Winston kind of leading her on the walk. And I was wondering how many other people in lockdown have been, you know, dictated by their many dogs that they've purchased this lockdown I was thinking about getting one myself but (laughs) um, I'm not so sure now Uh, but we'll get on to our takeaways I'll go first this week as I've been putting myself last the last couple of weeks Um, we've already touched upon it a little but I actually really loved Deborah's idea of adding something really nice to your to-do list so not just having all the things that you have to do in the day but also popping on something like a bubble bath or reading a book and I'll definitely be adding a few things like that on for tonight. What's about you Daniela? Yeah I loved Deborah's walk today. I wanted her to read me a story. I thought she was such a brilliant narrator. So I suppose my takeaway is more of a thank you to Deborah. She was being so open and honest about living with cancer and that really put things into perspective for me, you know, especially after over this last year. It's been a really tricky time for for everybody, but hearing hearing Deborah speak about the procedures and operations that she's had to go through was really incredible. So thank you, Deborah. Yeah, I I feel like I've just been for a, an hour's walk with a really close friend. I, Deborah was so open and honest and friendly. And despite the difficult things she was talking about, I found her quite upbeat and positive, which was really inspiring. And I think one of the key takeaways for me was our wellness journey is completely experience-based, as a lot of things in life are. But the trick is to find what works for you, what brings you joy. Um, And it's about finding those little things in life that bring a smile to your face and make you want to do a little jig in your pajamas or or in your running shoes and leggings, whatever it is. So thank you for that, Deborah, because that was very inspiring. And how free and fabulous did Deborah sound on her walk? 
And I think freedom was a big topic for her, as she mentioned it a few times. And I've really felt that sense of freedom on my walks during this past year. We might not have been able to have the same freedoms in the past year that we've all been used to, but I find getting out on a walk can really give you a slice of that back. So I've absolutely loved chatting to you both and hearing from Deborah today. So a huge thanks from me to you, Rachel and Daniela, and of course, to our hugely inspiring guest on this podcast, Deborah James. Most important of all though, thanks so much to you for listening. We've got loads more fantastic, fascinating guests coming up and we can't wait to share their wellness journey with you. And so until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash APOD1. That's A-P-O-D and the number one to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing. And you can even download exactly the same list of questions that you heard our guest chat through earlier in this episode. You can record your very own Walk to Wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.